All right, another weekday, another Locked On Syracuse podcast for you, wherever you get your podcasts. And you can also find the show on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. Dropped our Twitter game Tuesday, yesterday. So feel free to get your replies in for that now before we probably recap it either on tomorrow's show or on Friday. But Ty, some basketball recruiting news, which was the theme of our Twitter game Tuesday, but a different sector of news, a 2023 offer is now out there. We are really flying by in terms I know. of time. Think of how and, we talk about all the time. How far is 2022 away? 2023 yeah. is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're looking way too far into the future now. But no, it right. is exciting to think about this, especially when you've got this caliber of a player that we're about to talk about. Yes, Elijah Fisher, who, I mean, you watch his tape and... I know this is a term that people throw out kind of jokingly, but he's quite literally a man amongst boys because yes. he's a rising sophomore and he can dunk like literally some of the best dunkers in the NBA, it seems like. Now, I know the highlight tape, they just showcase the best. I but saw yeah. that he could dunk at age 13, which kind of tells you everything you need to know about right. this. I saw kid. something Springy at 12. Long. Or yeah, no, 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 you're right. It was 12. It was 12, which is yeah. crazy. And I also saw when he was either 12 or 13 years old, there was a video of him playing with Bronny James at a camp, too. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, it's the classic case of this kid was just bigger than everyone else. He was yes. He was probably, like, he's so he's 6'7 now. He had to have been, like, 6'2 when this video was being taken. And you would just see Bronny throw it to him off a roll, and it was a, a easy bucket every single time. Because... Right. I mean, you got LeBron James's kid. You've got a guy who is in Elijah Fisher, who's just way bigger than everyone else. And it's just, it's, it's not fair when you when you put yeah. those two. Imagine being the other kids out there on the floor. Think of the kids, Tim. I know I, that twelve-year-old video that circulated on Twitter is just—it's really laughable. I mean, it looks like he is going against a peewee league, and he's a high school senior. It's—it's it's not fair. And that's not to say—I mean, sometimes you get these prospects who i think we all can relate to that kid that we knew in high school that was just mm -hmm. like five years older than everyone else even though he wasn't and it was it's like that guy in the bench warmers yeah it's where the it's biggest like check his the girl check his yeah i am 12 yeah yeah right right so, Tim, so do you want to start yeah. a rumor here should we no, start a rumor no. we, we can't Let's do that rumor. poor kid oh no no, no. <laughs> we're gonna start a rumor here what if it. since elijah fisher played in this camp with Bronny James, what if they could turn into, I don't know, maybe a little package deal? Oh, what do you think man. about that? Huh? That's just, huh? we'll get too many people out there are going to take it seriously that are Syracuse fans with unrealistic hopes for what they could reel in. And I don't know. I mean, honestly, I look at this Elijah Fisher kid and the way the G League is heading, I don't even know if this kid's going to play in college because, you know, he is, he's that kid that is, five years older than everyone else, but he's also super skilled. I mean, that's not to take away anything from his tape and what he seems to, he seems like a polished product. He seems like a polished senior that is playing with quite literally freshmen this past year. And he's going to be playing with sophomores upcoming. He's obviously miles away, but I think it's a good sign that Syracuse is on him early. A kid from Toronto and he's got Shout an out outstanding night. Amateur yes. Canadian basketball scout. Justin Knight, who texted me <laughs> this morning and said he screenshotted the Instagram 
post of Elijah Fisher getting the offer and says, yeah. you guys got to look up this kid. He's super good. If Q's can get him, that class will be insane. He, he's spot on it. And thank you, Justin, for, for bringing him to our attention because I probably would not have seen this today if he didn't text me that. So yeah. I, I thought that was – thank you for, for keeping us in, in the Canadian basketball scene because it looks like this guy is going to be Canada's next big thing because that's what everyone's kind of gearing him as. And he might be the number one player in the class when everything's said and done. Now, Honestly, the only way yeah. to be the number one player in the class, and this is something that a lot of people may not know about, but per ESPN and if you want to be a McDonald's All-American, you have to play high school ball in America. So he would have to move and probably go to one of the prep schools in the States, like we saw with Andrew Wiggins when he went to Huntington Prep to go play yeah. his high school ball, round out his career there. But there aren't really any indications that that's what he's going to do. And in a lot of interviews and articles that I've read about him, it seems like he's pretty content staying in Canada for the remainder of his high school career. And listen, it doesn't really matter where you go. Like You're going to get noticed if you're good. I think Zion kind of proved that because Zion could have gone to his pick of prep schools across America. But it yeah. really didn't matter. He's Zion Williamson. He played on the Adidas AAU tour for Christ's sake. I mean, it shows that if you're good, you will be found. And Elijah Fisher can certainly fit into that mold if he stays in Canada. Yeah, I did pick up some Andrew Wiggins vibes from the tape. I don't know about you. Maybe it's kind of a you lazy know who comparison. I saw a little bit. Who? I saw a, li- a lot of uh, Victor Oladipo, like a longer Vic oh, Oladipo. Yeah. Right. Because this guy well, the is thing just. Is- he moves you know, like Giannis, and then he can, he's got the athleticism to just do 360s, and, I mean, his dunk package is unbelievable as well. He can do a lot of things out there on the floor, and it reminded yeah. me of Vic Oladipo a lot. The dunking is, is unreal. It's probably the best dunking sophomore freshman highlight tape I've seen since maybe like a Seventh Woods or someone like that. He, oh, no. He literally uh, do we is, want that? Don't, don't, don't say that oh, name. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, that that's a bad one to bring up in terms of a, a bust, sure. But, yeah, I mean, he's he's a top 10 kid in the class for sure, and his offer sheet kind of proves that already. And this is still very early. We have to keep saying that. He's got Kansas, Oregon, Yeah, we thought Dior Arizona. was early. This is early, yeah, early. right. Florida offer to USC, Texas A&M, Vandy, Wake, Georgia Tech in the ACC, West Virginia is also already offered, so... Good for Syracuse for getting on him early. And we're talking about a kid in Eliza Fisher who is literally maybe the best prospect in his class, in his field, and the best in the field of maintaining and repairing your car. The best place to go is by going online to rockauto.com, a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. If you go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers, I promise you will walk away happy. It is incredibly easy to use, incredibly easy to navigate their interface. It's the same interface as if you went to the store and the guy behind the counter is looking it up through that interface. You can just skip that step, especially in these times right now, get it delivered to your home safely, and it's just better prices. The prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low, and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Right Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. That's important. Make sure you put Locked On in the How Did You Hear About Us box. That way we know, they know that we sent you. 
to rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. All right, we'll continue talking about Elijah Fisher when we come back. You know, you mentioned the Instagram post that Justin brought your attention to. Really a, a pretty cool edit, though. I don't know who did it or yeah. what, but had a little bit of the Syracuse skyline in there. And in the post, he says, thanks to Coach Beheim and Adrian Autry for believing in me. So that kind of showed me that maybe this is one of those Autry guys, which Autry's yeah. had a pretty good success rate lately. Not saying that that means anything for a 2023 kid who's miles away from maybe committing or maybe saying I'm going to the G League. Who knows? But I think... It shows that Autry is probably the main recruiter in this instance as well. So, yeah, I, I and again, he's had its great success lately. You'd love to see that carry over as well. And I think it's also kind of interesting that he noted Coach Beheim because that whole conversation comes into play as well. When is Beheim's timeline up? And if a 2023 kid is shouting out Coach Beheim, because again, remember, we didn't really see a lot of Dior Beheim mention. When, when Dior Johnson committed, it was a lot of the coaching staff and, and very vague when he would ever mention coaches and really not much mention of Bayheim. So I guess a little encouraging for Syracuse fans, if you are Team Bayheim, stay until until you realize you cannot absolutely coach anymore. And that kind of show, maybe extends his timeline a little bit. I don't know. To me, I like... The conversation always comes up of when is Bayheim's final season going to be, but I think this might extend his timeline a little more in the eyes of some Syracuse fans. Who knows? Maybe it's just yeah. maybe I'm reading into it too much, but Yeah, I saw the Athletic had a college basketball mailbag recently, and I'm forgetting who wrote it, so I apologize for that. But I'm sure you can find it if you subscribe I'm guessing to it's the a Athletic. Seth Davis mailbag. Yeah, he seems it might like have a big been. mailbag guy. Yeah, I think it might have been him. Well, anyway, the first question on the entire mailbag, I didn't go into it with sort of a Syracuse mindset, and the first question was, hey, I'm a Syracuse fan, so-and-so, forget the name, and what do you think Coach Beheim will be leaving? Will it be after Buddy or right after he ends, or what's the status there? And I just got a kick out of that because <laughs> the guy, I think maybe it was Seth Davis, whoever the writer was responding was like, ah, the – the age-old when is Bayheim leaving question. And then they sort of referenced how we were talking about this with Hopkins. And you forget, I mean, that was three years before that he was supposed to leave, that they announced Hopkins was going to replace him. And, and that timetable now, he would have been at the helm for a couple of years, and we're still having these discussions. So the, it was kind of tongue-in-cheek the way this writer responded to it. But and not to sidetrack, I do think that's a good point, though, is who will be coaching this kid? And the more I see Adrian Autry pulling in big-time recruits and being around, I mean, he seems to have quite a strong recruiting foothold and continues to be improving his name in the recruiting community, which bodes well for, or definitely indicates that maybe he's got a better shot at taking over than you might have thought five, six years ago. Absolutely. And it's going to be one of those things, not to get too far into a future coach rabbit hole here, but it's going to be, okay, do you go with the young trendy guy like a GMAC, or do you go with a guy who maybe ha has a, a little more cachet on the recruiting trail and has just had a lot more success in that regard? Not to, That's not a knock against GMAC. Of course, he remember, he brought in uh, Dior Johnson to the class. So 
I don't know. That's that's going to be the the question that we will be exploring. But it looks like we may not have to do that until 2024. Yeah, which who knows, man? I mean, he could leave. That that's the question that we will never have an answer to. Is when will? Yeah, until it actually happens. Right. right. But can to get back to Elijah Fisher? Yeah. One right. thing. So you brought up all those offers. He's got a bunch of big ones, and I think there's a couple ways that I look at this. Okay. So Oregon is a big one because we've seen the monster success that they've had in Canada lately. I mean, it, yeah. it feels like every big Canadian recruit ends up at Oregon. So that's one situation to monitor. Another is Kansas because remember Kansas. Wiggins. Yep, yeah. Andrew Wiggins. They had him as the number one overall recruit in America that one year. And again, that's the same type of deal that, that Elijah Fisher may be battling with when his name or when he comes closer to making some sort of decision again this decision probably won't happen for at least two years so yes we're way out in front of this right now but can i give you a dark horse tim and okay this is going to be something that all these schools are going to be dealing with now but there i read an article about how morgan state is actually way further into this than you think they are. And I saw he mentioned them in his Instagram. Elijah Fisher spoke very highly about Morgan State, and he basically talked about how HBCUs, he's really interested in, in attending one. And I think that is great, and it shows you what this kid is about. He's a high-character guy, and he wants to do better by the African-American community by looking at these HBCUs and good on him. I think that shows a maturity and a self-awareness to him as well. And you're starting to see this trend pick up everywhere, whether it's Mikey Mitchell or McCurr maker. And yeah. you even saw, I, I mean, I, I can't believe this is even a line, but I saw Vegas odds on Bronny James and it was Duke was at plus plus one twenty five, no And then way. I think at like plus plus one fifty it was NC central. So that kind of wow. shows you that these HBCUs are really going to be in the fold for these big time recruits in the near future and good on these recruits because you're seeing a maturity to them. And I, I really think that Morgan state is a name that you have to look out for because this isn't coming from the Elijah Fisher camp or people speculating in the recruiting business. No, this is coming from Elijah Fisher himself when he's talking about this. Yeah. You bring up NC central. Remember, I think Lavelle Moden is the head coach there. He talked about how John Wall was actually pretty close to going there. Someone from yeah. Raleigh. And well, Cade Cunningham, a, too. Yeah. He even brought up, I, I read an interview with him, and he said, I would have loved to look more into the an HBCU, but they, none of them really reached out to me, which I guess is some, that's a trend that's certainly going to change now. I mean, yeah. all these HBCUs are going to be reaching out to these kids, and I would expect a number of these high-profile recruits to end up playing for HBCUs. I mean, we're already starting to see it trend that way. Yeah, it's a cool trend, too. And I think it just takes a couple more, and then we might see, heck, three or four in each class go that way. It's obviously yeah. tough to guess, and it will differ class to class. But the final thing I'll say on the topic of Elijah Fisher is I see some people say 6'6 guard, 6'7 guard. I think it's really important to note that this kid was 6'2 when he was 12. He's 6'7 when mm -hmm. he's, what, 15? I mean, he's literally right. going to be a sophomore in high school. I did all my growing after that year, and I'm not saying he will too, but we could live in a world where this kid is, like, 
almost a center by the time he comes to Syracuse. Yeah. That's but how far if away. If he is a center, he's going to remind people a lot of Bull Bull, I think, because he's got these guard skills in his arsenal. So you're going to see, I mean, as much fun as I've had watching Bull Bull, whether it's in college or these limited NBA exhibition games that we're watching right now, that could be what this kid is when he goes to school. So I say Victor Oladipo now, a longer Victor Oladipo right, right. now. But he could be much more than that. Yeah, and I wouldn't even, if anyone's entertaining the game of, well, if we have Dior for another year then, he's like any of that nonsense, no, he no, can't no, no. play it. Because, Dior yeah, will not I mean, be around in 2023. Now, right, I also wouldn't won't. rule out maybe Elijah Fisher trying to reclassify too, but maybe. you also have yeah. to, to keep in mind, this is a guy who the G League is going to come calling for him. Right. For sure. And they will give him a, a healthy offer as they will continue. To no do. doubt. But who knows? He could be part of the name image likeness for sure crowd by the time he's going to college. So Absolutely. anyway, we'll keep monitoring Elijah Fisher. Really just cool to see Syracuse in the mix for a kid who could be the number one overall recruit in that class and got on him early. So props to the coaching staff in that regard. If you want to check out his highlights, we tweeted out a little clip of it yesterday on our account at LO underscore Syracuse on Twitter. So when we come back, going to talk some football and more specifically high school football with some seasons already being shut down in some prominent high school football states. Got to talk about what that could mean for recruiting and what it means for Syracuse's future classes. All right, so obviously changing times during COVID-19, that is goes without being said clearly and is something that we're all adjusting to but one of those things that we haven't really talked about is how much that high school football not having a season in a lot of these places which we already know california has come out and said not until january will they start the season they postponed it until that point you'd imagine you know texas i think has already said some stuff similar to that i don't know officially but if not they're going to and those are two states that are that's in their religion. That is, especially Texas. That is oh, yeah. every bit one of the big things. In terms Friday Night of, Lights, team. Right, exactly. So, this is where things get interesting with California because this article written in The Athletic by Ari Wasserman was fantastic in kind of laying out how things could get interesting across college football over the next three to four years because of how recruiting has changed. And I think... This applies heavily. Everything that they talked about in this article applies heavily to Justin Lamson because yeah. the focal character of this entire article is C.J. Stroud, who went from being a three-star guy to a top 50 prospect because of how well he performed in a bunch of different camps. And, of course, the luxury of also having a high school season where he boosted his stock as well. Pretty much the the story of this article is that C.J. Stroud would probably be at Baylor if there, if the pandemic happened a year earlier. Right. But because he had the luxury of these camps and he had the luxury of having a season and much more eyes and attention were, were given to him, he shot from being a, a Baylor quarterback. Again, this Baylor program is on the, the rebuild right now after everything that kind of happened with Art Bryles. Now, yes. um, now they're a pretty formidable program. But when he's being recruited, it's during some of the, the weaker times of Baylor football. Now he's playing at one of the biggest powerhouses in the country in Ohio State and really had his pick of the litter of where he wanted to go play his college football. 
Right. So I think quarterback especially is one of those positions where you see guys have a lot of growth and late bloomers is kind of the term that everyone loves to throw around. But, you know, you look at a guy like Joe Burrow, who obviously just came out of nowhere this past year. And sure, some guys are kind of prodigies, but those elite camps, like the one that Tommy DeVito went to when he roomed with Tua, I mean, that gives gives a quarterback such a huge opportunity. And Justin Lampson probably would have gone to some of those camps maybe. We don't know for sure, but definitely a lot of quarterbacks that each year go from three-star to four-star based on those camps and just any position player in high school football. And honestly, the more I think about it, maybe it's kind of a weirdly a good thing for Syracuse because they have a good chance of landing a three-star, right? And we trust the Mm -hmm. staff to an extent on identifying talent. I feel good about Diamonds in the track rough. record. Yes. Yeah, diamonds in the rough is the term. And and like, you know, if they could get a kid who is a four star, just sort of like a closeted four star because he hasn't had the opportunities, but they do their research, they do their due diligence, and they have a better shot at getting him because he's not getting the looks. Because if you think about a school like Ohio State, they're really just not going to waste their time looking into a three-star kid. Right. I mean, they start four-star and above for the most part, and all those other schools on that tier. Well, maybe three stars come to them when they have to fill out the rest of their classes. Yes, right. And I don't know. I mean, they've identified some diamonds in the roughs before. Maybe this gives them a chance of landing someone who is really a four-star, but is actually a three-star. And also, I just think in general... These next couple cycles, these next couple years, we're just going to have a worse idea of what someone will bring to the table when they come. And maybe we'll see a player whose ratings are not very good. And we've usually been able to bank on that to an extent because, you know, these 24-7 guys do a good job of doing the research and going to these camps and so forth. And usually you could count on it to an extent. Like if someone was a three-star you weren't thinking, oh, they're going to come in and play right away. Well, I bet we'll see a couple guys who are like 81s, 82s, and we have no idea where they're going to fill in, and then all of a sudden they're on the depth chart in the spring or whatever in a couple of seasons when they get back to playing on a nor- normal traditional schedule. That's true, and the reason why this article is interesting, so they kind of talk about the state of California. 10% of the top 500 players on the 24-7 composite are from California, including the number one player in the class, Corey Foreman. And he says that if he's given the choice of going to college right away, early enroll, whatever, or skipping his senior and skipping his senior season or playing his final season in high school, he's going to college. So the studs in the class are going to be fine. Okay. They have their pick of whatever school they want, or at least a good enough crop of high-caliber schools, where some of the three-stars and other players, they kind of need this season, these camps, these showcases, to claw their way up the rankings and onto some people's radars. But that's not going to be the reality here in 2020. So some of the interesting things that I I gathered from this article, here's, here's a quote directly from the author. But what if C.J. Stroud enrolled at Baylor and developed into the next Robert Griffin III? Isn't talent dispersed to more programs, especially at quarterback, a good thing for college football? 
And then there's a Power 5 staffer who said, it's a serious problem. There are some offers to take kids that we are recruiting that are trying to figure out their next move, but it's more significant for the offer or hold guys. With no camps and now no season, they have no opportunity to show their development. We are basing a lot of evaluations on performance from a year ago. Guys, develop. Prospects such as Foreman have nothing to prove. He's got scholarships to go wherever he wants. But what about the Strouds of the world, the people who evolve late in high school and progress from a prospect who will likely end up at a middle-tier program to a prospect who can choose from among the elite? Well, those diamond-in-the-rough types may end up at schools such as Baylor in this cycle, and as a result, college football may have increased parity in the next few years. Good point. I think that ties exactly into what's happening with Justin Lampson. And Syracuse may have this diamond in the rough, and that can really change. I mean, we may see Syracuse reap the benefits of this strange recruiting cycle because they did their homework. Dino's got those West Coast connections. We've already seen the the pair of offensive linemen coming over from Hawaii. You've got Lampson who's coming from the Bay Area. So we could be looking at a very similar situation here with Justin Lampson because guess what? I don't expect him to sit out his senior season. I fully anticipate that he will play his senior season this year. I don't think the coaching staff is necessarily going to pressure him to come in early because of the fact that, listen, you're probably going to have to sit a year behind Tommy DeVito anyway. So there's really no benefit to you doing that. We'd rather see you develop at the high school level and, and maybe work with some of your high school or your outside quarterback coaches during that time. Yeah, and in all honesty, sometimes those guys that develop late are the guys that keep growing once they get to college and become really, really good. Sometimes that's a good sign. So there right. could be more parity in college football, which I think bodes well for Yeah, it's going to be Syracuse's. weird because, yeah. I mean, I mean, the ACC, there's a couple powers every single year. But, I mean, we could be seeing, let's say 2023, 2024, you could be looking at a school like Syracuse not – I don't think they'll be competing with Clemson for, well, who knows? Maybe that Syracuse Clemson game could be for the ACC Atlantic. Who knows? But you could be seeing a school like Syracuse right up there. Obviously, UNC has flipped the tide, though they could be right up there. Dave Cutcliffe, I mean, who knows what he's got with Riley Leonard? Could they be up there? Maybe you'll see more weird schools like Virginia or Georgia Tech or some of these other places just rise up because they did well in recruiting during the pandemic. Yeah, the Coastal Division, it's been last six years, six different winners. Maybe that'll yep. shift more towards the Atlantic Division, Syracuse's side of things. But yeah, Listen, it's definitely Clemson's always going to be Clemson, but yes, they might right. have a little more competition within the division than they previously have had. For sure. Well, interesting times on the recruiting front, and we thank you guys for listening as always. Please feel free to rate, comment, review, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. We will be back tomorrow. We're here with you every single weekday. And tomorrow, I think we're going to dive into our training camp Thursday and address some burning questions regards to the Syracuse football season. I believe we're going to discuss the wide receivers. Let's do receivers tomorrow. Yeah, let's do receivers tomorrow. Which is, is the hot button one because of the news of Cameron Jordan earlier in the week. So we'll talk about what that means for how the receivers are shaking out, a guy that can maybe step in and and fill in for Cameron Jordan's potential starting spot, which is now left vacant after the news that he has left the program earlier in the week. So we'll dive into that tomorrow and probably some basketball recruiting stuff as well. But thanks for listening. As always, for Tyler, I'm Tim, and we'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Tomorrow.